But I'm saying that that's not the reason that I'm supporting your point. Though I, I, initially, I'm supporting your point. I think mm-hmm. the movie, uh, what's what's uh, Andre's movie? Something. Hendrix. I forgot. What's the Jimmy Hendrix? I don't know what the hell the name. Yeah, is, we gotta look that up. The Jimmy Below. What's it called? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. The Jimmy Below. <laughs> that has so many different connotations yes. to it. It's ridiculous. Welcome to the B-Side. Scoop. Isaac. Jahan. Arthur. The Music Snobs. This is episode 34 of the Music Snobs podcast. My name is Arthur, your lead voice, and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts, Scoop, Isaac, and Jahan. This episode, we call this topic Between Rock and a Hard Place. Can Lenny Kravitz and Van Hunt wrestle back credibility from a modern audience who are used to white men with guitars and black men with MPCs or mics. Now, Lenny Kravitz, he's put out his latest album called Strut in September, I believe. He also was one of the headliners of uh, the recent iTunes Festival in London and was uh, heralded as one of the best performers of that series. And we have Van Hunt, who is recording his latest project. Uh, He's got a a funding page on pledgemusic.com. Uh, but his last studio album, I believe, was in 2011. Uh, what were you hoping for? Man, I was so disappointed in his last show. I went to go see him live. It was, oh, it was. He's not a good performer, or does no? Nah, he's his. What he's doing now, it was. Car. I was just very disappointed. Car. I was on. Yeah, yeah, I, just I, just, just, I can't disagree more than I disagree with you. Um, I figured that. I don't. It's I you know. I can't disagree more. Uh, Jay, I trust you had a different experience. Of course. I can't disagree more. Well, you know what? Don't don't take my word for it. Go and get his uh, live album, Live at the Troubadour. It's, I think it's, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. That's my favorite album of his, as a matter of fact. Okay, I'll go listen. I'll, I'll go grab it and listen to it and see if it's anything like... Would- see if it was just an off night, Maybe. Maybe. Now I haven't seen Van Hunt. I have seen I have seen Lenny though. It was a while, but I think I caught the right tour. He was supporting uh he was supporting five. And this was so this was like ninety nine or two thousand. And it was like right at that stage before he's able to headline and mm-hmm. sell out stadiums. Mm-hmm. So you get that theater experience and you get mm-hmm. that, that, that smaller crowd energy. Um uh I caught the um the stream of the iTunes Festival show though and um that was a great 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 performance but you know that's a one-off you know what i mean it's hard to kind of sustain that kind of energy show after show on a major tour but going but the question you said wrestle back what do you i mean just to clarify when you say wrestle back what do you mean by that to take take back this what well the concept the the familiarity of seeing black men with guitars in a lead role Mm -hmm. so for example ernie isley great example from the 70s uh, even Al McKay, even Tito Jackson, mm-hmm. even Prince, who's still accepted and welcomed. But, you know, as we say, you know, he's an alien. That's Prince. Prince is Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, who else does that? You know, with Jay-Z put on, so strapped, on a, strapped on a guitar 
to open up Glastonbury, that was a that was a dig. That wasn't a. But you're saying that there was a time when audiences, mainstream audience, you know, were familiar and they were cool with that. And now that time yeah. is gone. And you're saying can can Lenny and Van Hunt get back to that? Yes, I think they can be a part of it. I don't think it needs to be solely put on them. You know, um, I think if we're going to have this conversation, once again, I mean, we're going to have it anyway. But you know, somebody like Gary Clark Jr. needs to be mentioned. Yes, because he's to mm-hmm. me the the new millennium version of what Van and, and Lenny are. Because he, Van and Lenny have somewhat of a black audience fan base whereas Gary Clark has the ear of a white audience who really really still listens to rock music so if you're going to put a black face on this or a black artist behind it to change that dynamic of Mm -hmm. how you look at it I think Gary Clark has to be in this conversation also and I think he's it's he's probably has a better chance of doing what you're asking than Lenny and Van Hunt do at this point in time yeah another name to drop since you mentioned Gary Clark is Benjamin Booker there you go Mm-hmm. Who released his uh, album this year? Yeah, and um, so I think so I, I just think I think it's a good question. I think we can widen it though, because you know if we're talking about we, there needs to be more than just these two. I just True, I, I guess I'm, I just don't think it's a big deal anymore for for you know black male artists to do rock and roll. That's that's not, or rock. That's not a big thing anymore. You know, what I'm saying 20 years ago when or when you know 15, 16, whenever Lenny first dropped, it was kind of odd to see that or Living Color or whoever you know, but. Now it's like, okay, yeah, you know, that's yeah, just their thing. I mean, isn't that because for all genres, for almost all genres, it's no, it's no longer a big deal to see the other doing it. Yeah. So, you know, it's no, it, it was unique for Bobby Caldwell to do soul to the extent that they didn't even put him on the cover of the first few albums. It's unique for Eminem mm-hmm. yeah. to do hip hop. Same, same result. He ain't on the cover. I, I, yeah, that's. I, I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. What are we? What are they trying to wrestle back? That's what I'm trying to understand the question. I guess their own audience. Does Lenny have a black audience, or is his audience 100% white, or almost 100% white? Same for Van Hunt. Same for Michelle. Yeah, for that Van matter. Hunt might even be a better example of that. I think Lenny and Van do have a black audience. It's maybe a small black, but I think they do. But like I said, I think Gary Clark's situation, I don't think Gary Clark has a black audience at all. I think there is a fan base, albeit a small one, that Lenny and Van do have that is of African descent. But Scoop, from Arthur's example of Ernie Isley, the Isleys had a black audience, only a black audience, right? Yeah, but I, I think their situation was much different than uh, Lenny and a Van Hunt, whereas that they were doing music that was they just happened to be great guitar players that were in R&B bands Ernie Osley is a rock guitarist but he was not doing rock music I think Lenny Kravitz and Van Hunt to a certain degree are doing stuff that consider more in line with what rock music is as opposed to funk and R&B I agree with that but if you look at the album if you look at one of Lenny's early albums for example Mama Said that to me that's a a funk album pretty much mm-hmm. it is and that's why I think he has a black audience but in, in, if you look at the whole arc of his career it's it's much less funk and R&B than it would be with a Funkadelic or an Ozzy Brothers much much less agreed okay. but, has, but has Lenny's music followed his audience rather than vice versa no the answer my, my answer to that is no but I still think there is an understanding 
and some people who still follow Lenny because he has shown that he can do and associate with black music. The same way Black Van Hunt, Van Hunt came didn't really necessarily come out as a quote unquote rock art. He was he was a that's that's what kind of what I'm saying. And that built his foundation. But yeah. but, he, but he but he evolved his sound to right. where now it's more it's it's more of a rock aesthetic. Exactly. Or incorporating blues as well. Right. Gary well, Clark, we cannot say that about. No, that's I, my I, point. I, I I don't I don't agree on Van Hunt. I think I think when Van Hunt started, he he came out with a kind of R&B rock vibe. Then I think he went closer to a very slightly closer to a rock aesthetic. But popular, the album that the Blue Note album that didn't come out, and uh, using case of emergency, the the sort of outtakes album that he put together. And what were you hoping for? I think I think funk. He's ultimately to me, he's a funk musician. You don't come. When I call as if I don't exist at all There must be some trick to it Some kind of slick gimmick Do anything to get your attention It's, it's rock funk, you know, he's got a lot of mm-hmm. rock production style in there, but it's, you know, the bass line, the composition, etc. He's he, To me, he's through and through funk. But, but I mean, I think the question ref- gets back to are the audiences that, you know, is an audience that would go to see Kanye or um, Drake, would they be the same ilk that would go see Lenny? Yeah, and, and I, I don't think that that's going to be the case because I think that when when they see a, for, you know when they see a guitar, they immediately equate, okay, well he's just playing he's just playing white music, which is. But when is that never? That's always been the case. That's I'm like, what do you guys want Lenny and, and Van to take back? Because I'm like, that's always been the case. It's, it's it's basically I mean as long as I've been alive, it's been like that. That's why. Bands like you know, or or artists like Lenny or, or Living Color, whatever that they were such a you know an anomaly because. Yeah, but, but you don't feel that way about Prince. Well, but let's be honest, let's be hundred uh, percent honest about it. a lot of brothers only mess with certain portions of Prince's catalog. You know, what I'm saying they ain't listening to a lot of Prince music, so it's like yeah. I'm gonna listen to they they treat Prince a la carte. I'm gonna listen to this track, this track, this over here. I can't get with because you know Prince is just. Prince is like your cousin is like your family and it's like you know he a little weird or whatever so he does it but that's still your family so it's like you accept him that's how a lot of brothers treat Prince you know what I'm saying he's because he when you drop you know uh, uh, a door you get a pass for the rest of your life you know you can do whatever you want because you did that song a Lenny or whoever else they've done they're not equated like that you know what I'm saying so brothers are not checking for them like that and they don't so. have the range musically to do what he does right. so I think yeah. Prince yeah. could I mean, Prince his, do anything Prince, Prince like, according to me is still a funk artist but he but he does funk music in a way that is so accepting to all type of people who accept all type of music I think Lenny and Van Hunt are, are much more singular in their approach to music right so that's so what are they trying to 
are do they you know are they trying to get a black audience i don't i don't i don't think so but i think visually the way that prince looks or the way that he styles himself he's a bit different and he gets a pass because of that there's no mistaking lenny or van as anything other than a black dude mm-hmm. right in even in 2014 15 and beyond you know why are people who are listening to the internet etc and Isley, etc. Why are they not open to to more acts like this? Why are Why are Van and Lenny two of the only ones doing this? I think the answer is very simplistic. It just comes down to the culture that you were raised within. I think that the culture that they were raised in obviously lended itself to this type of music. Mm-hmm. And if you yourself were not raised in that type of culture, you're probably not going to be. It's not going to be as susceptible to you. You know, you're not going to be. You're not going to listen to that as easily as you would listen to something that you've been listening to your entire life. I think visually, yeah, people can see that, but if the music is not hitting with them, is not mm-hmm. touching them. There has to be some connection music. Yeah, there has to be some connection. There has to be some, like, there's another artist by the name of a female, in a, a rock female, Dan- Daniela Cotton. Yeah. Yeah, okay. okay. Now, she is another one I think that could be putting the whole conversation as far as possibly changing that because of her voice she has a kind of soulful but a rockish voice i don't think and she's a black female i can't see her crossing into that lane where black folks are going to accept her as you know and, and she has even a smaller black fan base that even reaches what a lenny kravitz or, or van hunt you know but she's still black if you, if you if you give it a chance and listen to what she's doing you can hear the blues and, and the root of some R&B in her music, but it's not enough that people are going to feel comfortable enough accepting that and her having that fan base to change the narrative of what you're talking about. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Once again, uh-huh. you throw Brooke in there, you throw Gary Clark in there, it's fine. I think with with, with Van and, and, and Lenny Kravitz, I think it's different. Well, okay, let me reverse it. And I, I'm, I'm going to use the D word, so forgive me. <laughs> D'Angelo. Now, when he was touring Europe and, and even stateside for those few shows that he did, I think he did the Essence Festival last year, he had a guitar. He was playing guitar. But that's not going to so happen. If, if, if with this foundation that D'Angelo that has, has been able to build that up. That does not translate to... Arthur, what's that, your question? What's your question? Well, Arthur? my question is that with, 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 with this D'Angelo album, this sound okay. turns into more of a rock aesthetic. I, I just think that we're over... It's like it's, we're phrasing this as an inability of people. It's very rare to find people with such electric taste as the four people at this table. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's very rare. Most people have a certain lane that they like, whether it be music, movies, literature, television, whatever, and they stay in that lane. There are some artists who are able to travel in different lanes and maintain some sort of fan base. Michelle and DeGale Cello. You know what I'm saying? Because you can find people who like this album or like that album. They treat a lot of her stuff a la carte. And then there are people like us who like everything. There's a lot of people I know, a lot of brothers and sisters who will be down to listen to Coldplay, but not Van Hunt. So I just don't understand why that is. That's interesting. Cause I, I don't know. I never heard that's, that's to Radiohead, but not Van Hunt. Mm. Now that's interesting. That. And Van Hunt has it's... so much more. He, to me, you know, I'm glad you brought up D'Angelo, Arthur. To me, Van Hunt is the only one out here slaying dragons regularly she talks to me while you're not looking she says hello i say hi cutie and you turn to leave you're feeling moody but she shakes 
Scoop and I differ on this, but to me, he's never dropped a weak album. I, I, I don't understand why he doesn't get more love. I really don't get it. Maybe it's a sign of the times. Music is 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 segregated now. Yeah, more than ever. You know, and and I I, I think it's I think if Van Hunt came around at the time, he was in the in the late '60s, early '70s with Sly, and the rest of the Family Stone were doing their thing, we'd have a much different conversation than we're having right now. You know, I I, th- I think you know, for the sake of the conversation. I think the time that Sly was doing music lent itself more because of the audience, because of the, the, the melting pot that was music back then, for his music to be accepted by more people than what's going on with Van Hunt now. That's a very, very interesting point. And I think it, it opens up another path to go down because in that era that you're talking about, music was much more closely tied to social movements and youth movements. Whereas now, music really does not impact that conversation at all the way it used to. Mm-hmm. Um, film, I think, and, and even television to an extent, mm-hmm. is more so is more of a radar or an indicator of what's going on in culture more so than music now. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting because maybe you know to kind of uh, to go to your point a little bit, maybe that is you know it maybe if music was more in tune with those things, you know, uh, then we would see a different different effect but can, can i broaden this a little bit okay let's take mm. for, for the sake of just this conversation and broaden it let's take lenny let's take uh uh van hunt let's let's take benjamin booker let's take a gary clark and let's take a daniela Cotton. okay what's that five artists is that five mm-hmm. five mm-hmm. black artists that basically are in the if we're, if we're putting labels on this are in this genre of doing rock music now is that as a collective with them continually putting on product continually doing shows you know basically holding it down is that enough to change the landscape of quote unquote black rock and open up the doors and and and, and change the you know the perception of white men the only ones that can have guitars and black men or black women the only ones that can have microphones is that enough if one of those let's have all five yeah if they're, you know, again, I hate to keep saying this, hit hit songs and hit albums change everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if a hit song, more importantly, a hit album, I don't think a hit song would change. Album could change all of this, and yeah, people will start checking for, you know, black rock. So mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know, um, I think you know we mentioned Prince. I think in the '80s, Prince did open the door. You know what I'm saying? Because he did have rock sensibilities on songs that probably surprised a lot of black folks that they were actually feeling. You know what I'm saying? I think that did. But again, the time period, we weren't that far from the 70s either. So, you know, you know, our minds were a little bit more open and more toward, you know, going to go towards that. But now 
I see your point. You know, it is, it is, you know, we've lost a black band. So, yeah, for us to make that leap towards black rock, that's a long but, but he, a, I'm not talking about black audience. Will a white audience accept that? Oh, yeah. I think, they'll, yeah. I think if it's, if a, if if you see a, a black artist doing rock music, will a white audience accept it? Yeah, like all yeah. five of them. Can yeah. it be like a black, you know, rock movement through these five individuals? So so that they won't even see us as like, you know, hey, you know what? Those black folks, all they do is just sing. No, I think, they'll, know, they, I think they, they'll, they'll be down with it because just like when you go to, like we go to a PE show and it's all white folks. Yeah, you know that's what I'm saying? true. They, they okay. gravitate towards mm-hmm. whatever and then they appropriate it. You know, it'll be theirs. Gravitate and appropriate. <laughs> Lenny Kravitz's first few albums, certainly Let Love Rule and Mama Said, they were hits in Europe way before they went platinum in America. And, you know, now he's won four Grammys back to back and he's very, very celebrated by the industry in the United States. But it took him a long time to get that love at the start of his career. Uh, I mean, certainly in the American press, Spin, as well as Rolling Stone, when Lenny first came out, I had I had read about him, but I'd read about him in the context of, you know, um, coming in the psychedelic aesthetic, you know, like the return of the Beatles. And uh, uh, they compared him to Prince. And but also also his his uh, eloping with uh, Lisa Bonet didn't hurt him either. See, I mm. thought I was, I was about to say, well, go ahead, finish. Was, but mm. he didn't register on my on my radar until I saw the Let Love Rule video and I saw Zorro playing drums for him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Zorro was Bobby Brown and New Edition's touring drummer. So I was like, well, wait a minute. How is he going to get Zorro to play drums with him if he didn't have something else in the tank that we just don't know about yet? Mm -hmm. And I had heard Let Love Rule and um, enjoyed the album, but I did think that at the time, I did think that he was copying these other these this other music that he grew up with and i i could relate to him directly because i listened to a lot of soul funk r&b but i listened to a lot of rock and uh you know and these were the days where if you were black especially you know in elementary and junior high you were listening to rock and roll music it was like you were in the closet you know you know that's you didn't funny, let anybody know because when i was we would all do that at my age yeah, you know, I mean, I see, for us, yeah, because it was the advent of hip-hop, we, we were still you like, were listening to white music. Yeah, no, we were, we were all, we, you would be looked at differently the other way around if you weren't listening to rock mm-hmm. music and, and, and coming up in my time. Okay, yeah. and then, but when Mama Said came out, and he, when you saw the album cover, when I saw the album cover, I knew that there was something else to this because it was very, very artistic. First of all, it was a black and white cover. You know, he's in mid-shot, you know, and it, so I, I started to see that there was more to Kravitz as an artist and then hearing the music you know he had Slash on the lead single and everything like that you know uh, the the song uh, It Ain't Over Till It's Over hmm. that's the one that linked the black community to him you yeah. know and he yeah. got Curtis Mayfield comparisons you know he got those same kind of this is Bowie this is Kiss this is all these other kinds of things and it took me years to really kind of figure it out but Lenny's secret ingredient is not that he copies. It's not even that he, he appropriates. He actually reflects. And it's like he has the ability to be able to take a sound that's either been um, um, uh, abandoned 
and try to further develop that by actually immersing himself in, in you know in that in that time. The said he made it a point to find uh studios like he wanted to he wanted the album to sound like it was recorded in 1978 electric land electric uh, lady studios electric lady mm-hmm. studios so he got the original boards you know he found old amps he found old instruments all from that time to actually get that sound and you know and craft this kind of style to it you know and and not very few people could do that and still be legitimate i mean he really didn't come into his to me he didn't come into his own sound until until five but I think Circus, which came out in '94, is actually actually his best album as as an artist, as a songwriter. See, I think to answer John's question from my perspective is that I th- I think a little bit opposite than you do. I think his introduction to the larger American audience wound up stopping him from getting the credit that he deserved. That they I don't know if they got over there in the UK. A large amount of people got introduced to Lenny Kravitz through Lisa Bonet. Mm-hmm. That's right. So it was hard for us in America to take him seriously because for the masses, unless you were really deep into like music, that was your first time hearing him. So he wasn't a guitar player. He wasn't a rock artist. He wasn't an artist musically. Anyway, he was Lisa Bonet. He was the dude right. that was born in Lisa Bonet. Right. And then he found out if you found out his name was Romeo Blue before that, you were like, oh, he's trying to be Prince. Right. So right. It, right, it, right. he had he had a I don't know if that happened right. over there in the UK. I don't know what their introduction to him was. But over here, he had to fight through that. And I think that's what that was held against him. It took a it, mm-hmm. it took a lot more for him to be considered seriously as a musician. So the critics, audience, radio, they're like, ah, you know. You're just the guy who happens to be with Lisa Bonet. We're not going to take you seriously. So, But you go over to London, I don't know if you had the same problem. So they're more open to accepting his music because he doesn't have that, that, that roadblock that he had here in America. Yeah, in America he had baggage. Yeah, he had baggage even, coming into the game. And, and I think that's why he was more accepted over there. I, don't, I, don't, I think the, the, the Prince, the, all the stuff that was going on musically, I think that, yes, that played a role, but I also think, what the baggage he came in with and how it was connected and it was almost tabloidish you know mm. where he came into the game and that made it hard for him to be musically accepted here along with the fact that he came in an era where there was a lot yeah. of other music he and had then to there was to. the there was the allegations that uh or the rumors that he was having an affair with Don, with uh, madonna well, everybody madonna. was having that an affair with madonna well, at the but time. that led to yeah. that led to the, too, the huh? divorce <laughs> uh, me no 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 it's it's kind of unfair because um, particularly the Lisa Bonet part, because it's not like it's not just that he was a celebrity boyfriend or something. They met when they were teenagers. But of course, the story didn't come out like that to us. We, that doesn't mean anything to us. It's just Lisa, bon- Lisa Bonet over here is huge. Of course. And here's this cat that most people had never heard of. Right. Mm-hmm. And they was mad at him because he was right. Lisa Bonet. Right. right. That's right. it. Right. He had mad hate going on. But I guess the fact that they had a shared heritage, you know, both of them half African-American, half Russian Jew. It's very unique. 
and they met when they were teenagers they bonded over that and you know then after several years they eloped but yeah but i think that had an impact on why he was you know why like you said his certification came over there a lot faster than it did over Mm -hmm. here and i think that played a role in it you know i i think this acceptance or this this kind of change that you guys kind of you know moving forward into the future are not necessarily looking for it to happen but that we're saying what you know can it happen i don't think it's going to happen through you know a lenny or a van hunt or even through rock because i just feel like we're too far away from instrumentation for uh, specifically black art or black audiences to even be open towards that type of of music for one thing, I think Lenny is, is he's past that. And nobody's checking for him like that to me. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like he's, what, 20 years into it. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like. And that's a real shame. I mean, he, he's gone on record several times as threatening to do what he calls the funk album. <laughs> and he was supposed mm. to have done it um, for the album It's Time for a Love Revolution. But then he started recording songs in an acoustic kind of setting and he felt that he didn't want to go go funk with it then he was supposed to do it with uh, black and white in america and everybody thought that that's what he'd done and he just changed the title but he's been very very clear to say look um that's it's not it's a different it's a different album the, the funk album isn't isn't done yet but it's coming so mm-hmm. maybe you know maybe if he does something like that maybe we'll see it he's not the game he's not you know the game changer it's mm-hmm. like the young kids are the game changers lenny you know lenny's not that but I would like to say, you know, Arthur, I was I was never confused by him. Like you were, you know, trying to find figure him out. I never f- had to figure him out because visually, I looked at Lenny and knew exactly, you know, what I'm saying what I, I could almost guess his background just by mm-hmm. looking at him, mm-hmm. the way he carried himself. You know, what I'm saying he's a brother. You know, what I'm saying it's like, oh, yo, what's happening, what's happening, man, whatever. But the way he dressed, it was like, you know, what I'm saying it was like he, you could see both of those worlds. Yeah, you know what I mean, and it was cool. It was fine. But I'm just like, I was never trying to be like, okay, well, what is he doing? He was just a brother who had a, a black mother and a white father. His, I think also, you, you can't hit on something. I think we need to take in consideration also when we're having this conversation is the cool factor and the role the cool yeah, factor Lenny plays. Was cool. Right. Lenny but, was but is he cool. cool now? See, that's the thing. Uh, the cool, in order to get what we're saying, changing that, there has to be some type of cool factor connected to it. And I don't know if the, the people that have the power to change the direction music goes, we're past that point. We don't have that power anymore. We're, we're, we're not that generation that's going to change and redirect the way some music is going to go. Do these people look at a Lenny and a, and a Van Hunt and see cool the way that we did back in the day when Sly was doing it and Sly was cool, the way George Clinton was doing it and he was cool? There has to be a cool factor connected to this from an impact standpoint yes from an impact standpoint because that cool factor changes the way people listen to your music it really does yeah it really does if people just visually see you as being cool it opens their minds up to shit that they would not open their minds up to well, so the okay, cool factor has to be in this conversation now i know uh you know my 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 18 year old daughter Never heard of Lenny Kravitz, but knows his but knows Kravitz's daughter Zoe Kravitz mm. Mm. as the actress. Right, Hunger, uh, not the Hunger Games, but in Divergent. He's in the Hunger Games. You're right, but right. Divergent, and then um, you know the X Men, uh, right. couple movies that she right. was in there. You know, and then it's like, oh, well, her dad is a rock star. Right. Oh, and then her dad was in Hunger Games, and right. then now now he's cool. Right. Yeah, same thing with Lionel Richie. 
Nicole Richie is blowing up people. Oh, Lionel Richie's like, for real? Yeah. That doesn't necessarily make the music he's going to be doing cool. Somebody else has to to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Somebody else has to do it in order to change. So I think to answer the question, who's going to bring that cool factor? I I don't Mm -hmm. think Benjamin Booker's going to do it. I definitely don't see, you know, uh, Gary Gary Clark Clark having that quote unquote cool factor. The internet. Mm -hmm. There's a cool factor with them that I think if just to pie in the sky, Mm -hmm. You gave them ability to do rock music, that would change the dynamic. There's a cool factor, like, yo, I, I feel them, I can relate to them, because they're cool. Their whole aesthetic is cool. Is, is the cool factor dependent on age or generation? For example, you know, whether we like it or not, Lenny has tried to evolve as an artist to remain contemporary. So as Arthur said, he started off with vintage gear. Nowadays, he's trying to remain contemporary he's doing tracks with jay-z he's trying to give himself a current sound but he's in his late 40s 50s does the cool factor can it only ever be attributed to someone who's young i don't no, think so i think i think i think badu has it badu's got the cool factor. no i i disagree I, I, I think younger than him i think in music you have a limited scope of time to impact culture you have probably 10 maybe 12 years after that, you can put out great music. It's not going to impact culture the way it did when you were at your peak. But no. you can it's stay different. Really good, but it's different. It's different. It's different. It's different than well. It usually happens when people are young because they usually become you know how many artists don't get you know uh, don't don't make hits until they're in their forties or fifties. Mm-hmm. It usually happens specifically when you're talking about pop, R and B, hip hop, and rock. It usually happens when they're in their twenties. Now that's different than say film or literature. You can be old as you know whatever, mm-hmm. and make a great movie or drop a great book. But in music, it's particularly unforgiving as far as like age goes. That's different. That's the same conversation we had in the age versus art conversation, and with the exception, with a few exceptions like the whole of jazz or Radiohead, I agree with you. But here, let's just say Lenny drops an incredible Son of the Times level, incredible album the fact that he's not 18 or 22 does just just on that alone is the audience or is the industry too blind or too stubborn to allow him to be perceived as cool i i I don't know because i'm trying to go back in my mind and think when has that happened you know when has that happened where you know I don't know when. When has that happened before? Where someone of age has impacted? Yeah, I'm looking for precedent. When no, is that well, I, I don't know when this happened. But I think I think Jay Z still does it. Yeah, but but I do. But he's he's consistently. It's like he's yeah. dropping album and material yeah. like every six months. But he's still getting. He's also getting older over the over time. He's still winter. considered. Cool. I, was, I, I think I think there has to be something where that's brand, maybe maybe that's a lot you're of branding, young. Though that's a lot of branding. A lot of branding. So is but that let's what say, they okay, need? Okay, okay. Is, is that what let's they need? Let's say then? and maybe. If I'm wrong, I still think there's still a cool factor they're connected to him. And just for the sake of argument, let's take Lenny Kravitz's entire package, all right, and remove him and put, say, Usher in there. And that's Lenny Kravitz's music, Usher's frame, Usher's frame. There's still a cool factor there. I think that is, and Usher's old. He's not young anymore. You know what I'm saying? That would be the type of cool factor I'm talking about that is essential to make that type of change. So it doesn't necessarily miss, but he grew into that, but he was always, he was considered cool from the beginning. 
But I think if you just flip it right now, I think Usher, even at 30, whatever, is cool enough or still has that cool factor enough that could do something that Lenny but, Kravitz doesn't do because his his coolness doesn't resonate. But you're going back to Jahan's question, though, because Jahan brought in the age thing. Right. Yeah, Usher is is older. He's 36 or 37. Mm-hmm. Lenny's 50. You know what I'm saying? So to Jahan's point, does age, how much does age have to do with this? Oh, yeah. well, I, was, I was looking at Usher as being old. In, in the game of music, I was looking at him because he's a seasoned artist. He's been around for 15 years. I'm sorry, John, go ahead. No, it's fascinating to me that we're, we're saying that Lenny isn't cool. I mean, the dude looks 20 years younger than he is. He's extremely fashionable. You know, he's very, very... But he's not accepted as cool. But why is that? I, no, Scoop, I think he's accepted as cool. Is he accepted as impacting the culture? I think those are two different things. Okay. I get your point about you have to be cool to I impact mean, the culture. I mean, I just say the cool factor. I'm not saying you ha- I'm just saying it needs to be taken into consideration. Yeah, he's old dude cool right now. Right, he's, like, he's old dude cool. Like, right. I want to look like him when I'm his, you know what I'm saying? He's right. like John said, he's stylish, he's this and he's that. But, but is the he people going that are to, going, the audience is going to change the, what we're talking about. They don't look at him yeah, as being cool. Yeah, yeah and I, I think he's always going to get that love because he's he's like he's iconic cool you know what i'm saying he's he's reached that point where it's like he's cool forever now right. you know so just like you know robert de niro is iconic cool you know what i'm saying he's just Denzel he's just Washington. cool you know what i'm saying so Denzel. but is he going to change the game right i don't i don't i don't know i think in music i think you it's just very unforgiving about that you have to be of that if you're going to change the game for this generation you have to be of that generation so Isaac, you said Jay-Z's cool because he has branding. If I said I said a lot of I think a lot, a, yeah, of, a lot of his coolness has been, yeah, okay. because of, of so consistent branding. If you if you take Lenny, who I think is infinitely cooler and infinitely more stylish than Jay-Z, if you take mm-hmm. Lenny, he's still making his music, he still packs out arenas, etc., more so than a lot of the other quote unquote cutting edge cool younger cats that we're talking about. If you take him and brand him in a way that defines cool for the mainstream. Could he do it? Uh, yes, but the task is infinitely more difficult because Jay's branding has been consistent since day one. It's been ongoing. You see what I'm saying? There's not, there hasn't been a huge gap. Whereas, you know, Lenny, you're talking about starting from scrap. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, we've not started from, not starting from fresh because you do have all that, that history. But to place him in 2014 and say, okay, how are we going to make you relevant right now? It's like you're basically, you know, you're reinventing the wheel. Whereas with Jay, it's like we're just going to pick up from what we did six months ago. Put Pharrell in that conversation there. Same thing? See, that's a good one. Because Pharrell is 40. Yeah, that's a good one. You know? Consistent, but but consistent. He's been... been, I know, but there's a sense of cool there that resonates with people. And I'm saying... I don't think you necessarily like be young. It's just a cool factor that he just had. Well, how much of this... How much of this is actually, it's interesting that we bring up both those examples of Pharrell and Jay-Z. How much of that branding is associative, i.e. Beyonce for Jay-Z, mm-hmm. and then all and, the people and, that Pharrell has worked with? And hip-hop being eternally youthful. Lenny Lenny doesn't have that, right? Lenny Lenny doesn't have that. Lenny's, you know, he's he's very solo artist. He's not got, he you know, other than Lisa Bonet 20, 30 years ago, he doesn't have he doesn't have that association, that current present day association that would broaden his brand. And, and more to the point, Jay, we still don't know what old hip hop looks like. 
we know what old rock looks like okay you know what i'm saying yeah we know to some extent what old r&b looks like we still don't know what old hip-hop looks like so hip-hop is still youthful and so any association with hip-hop at all automatically lends you some amount of youthful branding you know so pharrell and also what's different pharrell he's been behind the boards a lot you know more so than he's been in front of the boards so yeah his his and you know his branding is also tied into fashion you know what i'm saying it's, it's tied into to to jay's point there's a lot of associativeness there um i don't know the rock culture enough to know what that would look like in lenny's you know realm i don't know but i do think to make him relevant now it can't just be lenny you know dropped a dope song or even dropped a, a incredibly good album i think Can it's gonna take more andre than that. have any impact in this conversation with the movie coming out with jimmy hendrix um not that movie okay I don't, th- I don't, I don't think that movie. Go back, go back to Purple Rain. You know how much if Purple Rain is not a movie. Wow, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. How much yeah. does that impact Prince's career after that? Because 1999, decidedly, you know, was an R, you know, R and B charted. You know, it was, it was for us basically. So then Purple Rain comes out. You got beautiful ones. You got a lot of guitar on that album. Right. But we you know see, what? we see him. It's cool. You know what I'm saying? We visually, we see the movie is a hit. That movie doesn't happen. How does that impact Prince? Are we checking for Prince the way we check for him? But movie or not, when Doves Cry, which preceded the release of the album, was a hit. Mm-hmm. So we have that before anybody even saw an album. The first, what, five, six songs like, like on Purple Rain, going from Let's Go Crazy to When Doves Cry. If that were the, the album... Because the last three are, you know, done live and, you know, completely directed to tied to the movie. I'm saying that that's still a classic album. No, I mean, yeah, it's always going to be a classic album. I'm saying for black audience to accept, they're not going to, I don't think they accept Let's Go Crazy the way they accepted it after they actually saw him perform that. You know what I'm saying? I agree, but agree. that's what I'm agree. saying. Agree. When Doves Cry still happens. Yeah, When Doves Cry is a huge, you know, that's an unbelievably big hit, but with a big that's rock. one song. With, yeah, and, 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 yeah, and it had a lot of guitar, guitar in that solo. song as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't mean to single out Black Eyes. I think pretty much anybody needs a connection but, to something. Yeah. Yeah. Let, me, let, yeah. let me just put Agreed. this one last thing about Purple Rain. I mean, part of the... <laughs> See, I got started. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm, 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 I'm just going to drop it and I'm going to leave it. The fact that The fact that you had a movie where people could see and here, Prince, as a person, had a lot to do with the success of the movie and the project. wasn't about solidifying the music. Yeah, it was about yeah, that Prince was a regular point. dude, and, and that was his story, whoa, whoa, not somebody whoa, else whoa, doing whoa, his whoa, story. Whoa. You Prince was a empathy. what? A regular dude? No, <laughs> no, Arthur, you had me until you said that. <laughs> he was never presented. Now, at no point in that movie did he appear to be a regular dude. Never, except when he was hitting it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there we are. That's all we need. <laughs> round table. <laughs> all okay. right. Round table. Hilarious. Is it live or is it Memorex? Which music format is the unequivocal greatest way of all time to listen to music? And why? Eight track, vinyl, Stop. cassette. I'm just naming them off. Stop. I'm don't don't De- be the dog that start off with eight track. That's define, every define greatest. At no point, no. At no point can you start this conversation eight track. <laughs> and, and no, there's nobody. The people who invented eight track would not tell you that eight track is going to be that answer. No. What's what define greatest? You mean the best pure? Well, you define it. Be, okay. You define it based upon what your answer yeah, it's, is. It's okay. your experience. Cool. All right, I'll start. I'll start this one. I think that for me, the greatest format is digital. 
Ooh. I think that I think that digital scales, meaning that if you need it to be a 128 kilobit MP3 to fit on your, you know, whatever your device is, then so be it. If you want it to be a, you know, a 2400 kilohertz mammoth for full fidelity and 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 you you listen to it through three four hundred dollars set of here headphones it can do that uh i think the portability is superior i think that the delivery mechanisms are superior and i think that it's probably going to be the one format that truly lasts um for the foreseeable and possibly unforeseeable future because any format any physical format that comes after digital is just going to be a companion to the digital version preach i think your guy would disagree with you um your idol prince <sighs> yeah uh, he 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 totally disagreed with you <laughs> I mean, he disagreed with me today. He exactly. didn't disagree with me exactly. in, you know, 10 years ago. Right. I don't think he did because he pioneered a lot of this. Yeah. He pioneered He pioneered the delivery over digital. He pioneered, uh, no, you know, yeah, but putting out it, albums digital only. But no, but to answer your question as far as the greatest form, I think he argued with you. I've heard him, like, make comments about, you know. Yeah, he he said stuff before, said, like, yeah. the internet is dead. And then he would release his album over the internet. Right. You know, he, right. he, he's so yeah, mercurial. You know, it's he, he, he changes his mind so often. On a Monday, it's one thing. On a Tuesday, it's something else. So maybe he, dis- he, he disagreed with you on Wednesday. There you go. That's <laughs> what I, yeah, I think he disagreed with you on Wednesday. <laughs> I, I, but I, I, I don't get, I'm not getting any pushback from nah, anybody. I don't, I don't have too much pushback. I mean, I, mean, I respect. My uh, point was that complete. It's the one thing you said that interests me is like you said how you can expand it. You know, that scales. Yeah, yeah. But I think for most people, the average person buying stuff and then putting it on their iPhone or whatever, or even streaming. You know what I'm saying? Because basically, kids stream so much now. It's like they're getting cheated. We've already talked about how much sound they're getting cheated out of. Right. So that's what. If I was going to give you pushback, I would say that's where the pushback would come from because the average person is not doing all that, you know, technical stuff that you're doing. So is digital the best for them? You know what I'm saying? Well, that's the scale point. Mm. Is it good? Is it good for the, is it good for the 15 year old that doesn't care what it, what, what it, what they're missing so much as they can have it with them? Mm -hmm. How many listeners of any age group, how many of them take advantage of the scalability? Mm. The four of us are pure music aficionados, right? But how many mm. of us regularly insist on lossless media of any kind? How many of us will only ever buy CDs mm. because then we can control the bit rate at which we import it? And see, that's my point. I think you're, I think you're saying, yeah, digital is potentially, has the potential to be the best, greatest music format. But I would say, mm. you know, to agree with everything Jahan just said, is is it is it really that because how many people are actually going to do that you know what i'm saying it's like not many nick you know nick payton talked about this i think extensively when we uh, we had him mm-hmm. on the show um so I, I just don't know if it's the greatest format for the masses because they're not going to do all that i would love to do everything that arthur's advocating i'm just too lazy to do it yeah but i mean how many people buy the 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 deluxe blu-ray version of 
you know, the Dark Knight Rises that with the little Batmobile figure that comes in with it. You know what but I'm saying? Is, that the, has, that is has, the DVD version that far off from the is the gap between the DVD version and that deluxe version? You know what I'm saying? Or the, even the regular Blu-ray and the deluxe is that gap as big as say from you know streaming something on Spotify as listening to the actual album or listening to this live performance? It, it actually also depends on how people experience art. So I still think that with for better or for worse with uh, visual art like movies or tv shows people still treat it as an experience for the most part i know there's people who watch stuff on the subway on a tiny ass phone but for Mm -hmm. the most part people buy really nice tvs they buy blu-ray players and they sit down in their living room and they put this on and they might even upgrade to a home cinema you know the way that people watch TV and watch movies technologically in terms of quality has increased dramatically over the last 20 years. The way that people listen to music technologically in terms of quality has decreased dramatically over the past 20 years. People, mm, yeah, you know, convenience. And yeah, convenience. Convenience rules in a way that it doesn't mm-hmm. for visual entertainment. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I I agree. I actually agree with you though. Potentially, I, I mean, you know, out this ahead of his time though. Yeah, always has been. Yeah. Well, I am the future. Will be. <laughs> the odd future. That's a little scary. <laughs> the, odd the odd future. <laughs> Yikes. Up next, Jahan. Yeah. Cool. Um. All right. I will say, cassette tape. My nigga. (laughs) (laughs) And and you know what? Not just any cassette tape. Not not a store-bought record label produced cassette tape. But... The gold standard. Say it. A blank TDK. TDK, yes. Say it. Say it. SA90. (laughs) SA90. On which... (laughs) I'm talking about my dude. I got one in my drawer. That's right, baby. Never put me in your box if your shit eats tape. On which, oh wait, wait, there's more. On which you have carefully selected two 45-minute albums to complement each other on side A and side B. That's right. That's it. That's it. Say no more. You, hey, do the whole segment. Whatever you say, I'm, I'm rolling with you. <laughs> you took my answer, but you tell I'm glad. I'm, go hey, ahead, just go. Hey, John, John, let me ask you. Now, I, I can't remember if the SA90s were the ones where you actually peeled off the actual you had the it came with separate labels so you could peel them off oh yeah all they did yeah, 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 yeah. how carefully did you put your label on there because that i was painstakingly listen you know what i'm saying because oh my god if it went on the wrong they, way hey, look, that man, just ruined they, they would come everything. with they'd come with four of the labels yeah. i'd yeah. use two as a rough draft <laughs> yep and two as a final copy that's right there you go that's right exactly exactly and then once you get it recorded you pop the tabs pop the, the tabs. Yeah, man i'm telling you that's it when I was um, when I would write the labels, I would write it in pencil first, <laughs> and then I would trace over it in pen. So like when I was doing it in pencil, this is a drill. This is a dress rehearsal. <laughs> right. So I can't I can't mess it up. You know we just lost our entire young audience. I don't right care. Fuck him. <laughs> Screw him. He's right. You, you know what? Apart from the apart from the nostalgia factor, and apart from the charm of having. A cassette on, you know, on on side A, my, my favorite of all time. On side A, I had Cameo's Word Up, 
and on side B I had George Clinton's The Cinderella Theory. Yeah. Mm. That just that just did me. I, I was that was on auto reverse for years, but apart from the actual charm of it all, there's just a sound. There's just mm-hmm. like it just I think it's the frequency. You know, we've talked about this before as well. Analog frequency to me will always be more alive than digital. It will always have more color and contrast and soul than digital. I know it's got hiss, but there's there's soul in that hiss. There's life in that hiss. Mm-hmm. And cassette more than more than any other medium will accentuate the low end frequency of music. The bass, the bottom end, the warmth, just in terms of soul music, um, of all black forms of music, it's, it's supposed to be on cassette. But digital, in my opinion, it irons out a lot of the soul, a lot of the character. With tape, every single cassette player sounded slightly different. You know, each one had their own heads, <laughs> they had their own flutter speed, you know. Now, Head that's, cleaners. That's it, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember buying the whole head cleaner kit? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you couldn't afford it. You get the Q-tips alcohol and alcohol. And alcohol. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yo, you, but- you know what? The other thing about tapes, real quick, is they gave you a level of customization. You know that to me, playlists don't. No, you can't do that. Don't equate to. Mm. So you felt something when you put together your mixtape or your slow jam tape or mm. your you know, top whatever, my song, you know, summer songs, whatever, and you were right on the label. You know, it was like a sense of ownership that you had over that, like it was your album or something. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was a real, you know, um, that 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 experience really kind of connected you to to cassettes. Yeah, but I'm going to piggyback off Jahan and say the same thing, cassettes, but for everything he said, plus also connected to what you said, it was a versatility that you had with cassettes that I don't think lends itself to any other form of music. And that you could... Digital is fine, but you can't stop what you're doing and record from another outlet the way you could on cassette. Like, we all got tapes and tapes and tapes of stuff we recorded from radio stations and mixes and shows. and all. You can't do that digitally now. I mean, back then, you're like, all right, we set it up, boom. We can't, you can't digitally, like you said, do mixtapes. Yeah, now you have to the go way, find Right, right. You it's can't, very different. Yeah, just, very the, different. just the, what cassettes did... To help you create with the pause button, mm-hmm. period. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, the versatility of a cassette is amazing. The fact that you can get it in your car and have an impact that changes a neighborhood by rolling down your windows and pumping <laughs> it, but also the apparatuses of beatboxes. There were no CD beatboxes. There were no digital beatboxes. But cassette could go from your car, go there, and you could travel with it. It started off the whole. Mobile unit as far as the Walkman is concerned. Yeah, there's an iconography associated with cassettes that doesn't, you know, exist now because everything is is in cyberspace to the point where I've seen, you know, current logos still incorporate beatboxes. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or artwork or design work, you know, bringing in the iconography from the 80s because there's really no strong iconography associated with, Mm -hmm. you know, digital stuff. And two other things is that at the time, it was the closest way they could get you to have inside of your home and have some mobility with reel to reel. And the mm-hmm. origin of music reel to reel is still the closest, still to this day, it's still yeah. the closest thing to actual recording sound that we're going to get. Cassette was based off of that. Now, here's the thing that I think we need to mention as far as cassette that to 
to me also makes it greater than anything else. It's the only form of music that I can think of that if damaged, you can self-repair. <laughs> Thank you. I was saying, needle, Pencils. no screwdriver. Needle, you scratch, a record is done. There's really nothing you can do. Digitally, if something goes wrong, yep. it's done. Yeah. Cassette, if the cassette tastes pop, you know how to open it, you can replace it. There's, there's Spoil so, it. Right. There's, you can't beat that. The, the, the damage fact and the fact that just a layman, you don't have to be a technician in yeah. order to repair yeah. what you may have lost on cassette. To me, you put all those factors in. Yeah. There's nothing greater than hey, that. But on the flip nothing. side, when you do lose something with cassette and you can't repair it, that heartbreak is even deeper because it's oh, like yeah. this is the only place it exists. But at least you, at least you <laughs> know there's a chance for you to do it. Right. You know what I'm saying? L- let, a, let a CD crack or let something happen to your digital player, whatever, even though if you do have the cloud. You're relying on somebody else to correct that for you, unless you're Arthur. No, I was you gonna know? say that's why I rely unless on. Unless you're Arthur, but that's still one person. <laughs> on a cassette, let a cassette tape pop. Any anyone in this room, we go get the screwdriver. We know how to break it down. Mm. We know how to roll the cassette back with the pencil in the middle. We know how to work this right. thing just as regular people. Oh, your pinky finger. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, my, depending on how small your my, fingers my, are. My rethread game. <laughs> my rethread game was. What tight. Were you about to right. say, Joe? I was about to say. We all, you know, speaking of heartbreak, we've all experienced heartbreak in our lives. But what heartbreak was greater than when you're trying to dub your, a new album that you've bought and that album's like 46 minutes long? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you just can't get that last little just bit can't of it. Get it just the last cuts minute. Out. It's that last minute. <laughs> That's oh, why you got to go to the 120 tape, the SA 120. No, but those were thinner. Those were yeah, they, they were much thinner. And you know what? Max L did a better version of those than TDK did. Did any of you guys ever buy the metal one, the MAX or MAX? Yeah. Oh yeah, I got I plenty of those. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. plenty my, of those. My, bro- my brother used to buy those. Those, those so were expensive, expensive though. Yeah, they yeah. were worth it though. Well, over a period of time, pack. <laughs> yeah, over a period of time, they became worth it. You know, because I still listen to cassettes to this day. I still, at Father's Day, I still blast cassettes <laughs> old from 76. Yeah, I can attest. You go into the brother's office and there's a box of cassettes. A box of cassettes. Like it's, 19, right? like it's still 1984. Playing. But the key, is, the key is in order for them to hold up sound, you have to always rewind them to the very beginning. Because mm. dust collects on them if you just stop it in the middle mm. and take yeah, it off. Yeah, you, you have to rewind it. So it has part. to be clear. Yeah. So the dust that it collects at all times doesn't affect the sound. So... <laughs> Hmm. Next level, Isaac. Um, good tag team, Jahan. I love it. Thanks, awesome, bro. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna flip mine because I actually I kind of agree. Like I said, I agree with you as far as the potential of, of uh-huh. digital music. Um, but just to be different, I'll flip it. I'll say, and I gotta say, it's not the greatest. It's my favorite or most memorable is the eight track, and that's only because that was the first piece of music that I owned. I don't even think I, I bought it or anybody bought it for me. I think I took it from Travis. I think I, I was say, you old enough yes. to own the A-Track? No, I stole it from my brother. And, and this, was, this was kindergarten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was I say it. it was mm-hmm. off the wall. Michael mm-hmm. Jackson, I believe I was, I'm, 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 I'm positive I was in kindergarten because I used to play it every morning. My father would drive me to kindergarten and I drove him crazy because that's all. Every time I get in the car, pop that A-Track in, you know, you couldn't pick. You know, it's like you could kind of see. Jump that's, around. What, that's that's why his experience. So at least his first experience was something that you didn't have to jump through. If he had a whack album, he'd have hated that because <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't jump through anything. Right, you right. started off perfectly, right? So I just put that in. Listen, he come pick me up. Put that in. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I drove him crazy with it. But that was that was the first piece of music I remember. And I, again, I think I stole it from my brother. But that was the first piece of music I remember feeling like I owned it, and I wanted like I was in love with this this music. You know, and I was, you know, this was kindergarten. 
But um, yeah, so I have to say my favorite. I, most I used to love. I mean, my mom used to have eight tracks in the car. She had this '76 Gold Seville that she drove, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she had three. Mom was pimping. She pimped <laughs> Seville. <laughs> Oakland. Oakland. Chicago. Oh, she had uh, Isaac Hayes to be continued. And that one was blue. It was like blue in mm, color. Mm. And then uh, Earth, Wind and Fire Gratitude mm-hmm. and Parliament Mothership Connection. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one other shout out to the A-Tracks. You could get the artwork. You couldn't do that on cassette. Mm. You could put the artwork on the A-Track. Remember yeah. The yeah. album artwork. Could but it was so there. weird. I could never figure out how the tracks work like what determined track two <laughs> yeah. and three so when you switch over you just be like all in the middle <laughs> of a song you in know a big, I mean? big chunky buttons <laughs> <laughs> it was like you felt yeah. like you shifted gears or something exactly. in your car. Exactly. it was like <laughs> what just happened <laughs> interesting that none of us said wax Ah, uh, yeah. I, I, thought, I actually thought, wax is I, limited. I thought Scoop was going to say that, huh? though. I, I thought I piggybacked. It's a cassette. I just piggybacked. Oh, we we yeah, tag no, team. Yeah. Oh, we tag team. We it was so seamless, you didn't even notice it. <laughs> Flawless. No, wax is limited. I thought, I, I wax thought, is very limited. I also thought Isaac, sound, was pick, well, I thought Isaac was going to pick vinyl because of the liner notes. I thought yeah. Isaac was going to pick vinyl because of the artwork, because of the graphics. Yeah. The design. But does that lend itself to the question, though? The question is the greatest. Well, that's why I said most favorite. I think to me, I think, you know, again, I think greatest, you know, potentially is going to be digital moving into the future. But for favorite or most memorable. Yeah. Most memorable okay. for me is a track. But, you know, to Arthur's point, yeah, there's, you know, for all of us who, you know, go, you know, kind of like enjoy that entire experience yeah, of getting to be album, able to listen to the music while you read yeah, the liners. There's nothing better than liner notes. Yeah. You get in a package, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Scoop Pro, if we change the question. What's the most hip-hop medium of music? Is it wax cassette. or tape? Yeah, still cassette, yeah. yeah even, cassette. Well, even the DJ? Well, we not, I'm not a DJ. Yeah, well, because that's how, that, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's how their name got out. Yeah, and all DJs, most DJs started off making pause button tapes. Mm-hmm. They would hand out tapes. Right? Yeah. True. We all did, right? You, you would, do, they would do cassette, you know, do it and re-record and stop, start, oh, okay. stop, start. That Most of the mixes started off as being... You go for Bambada and all them. They yeah. all started off and, doing and cassettes. Tape, cassettes cassette tape, jumped yeah. off a lot of yeah. careers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Before you even got to vinyl. Yeah, but see, the thing about vinyl in the '80s for me was that you know, again, you're dealing with limited exposure or limited access to these artists. You know, what I'm saying we don't, we, you know, now you can see, uh, you can have artists all up in your face in real time on their Instagram feed. Yeah. You getting the album back then was like here, you know, here this artist is in full living. Co- it's a big, huge thing. Yeah. We're not dealing with that anymore. So I can't, you know, that harkens back to an experience back then. Yeah. You know. But the only problem with vinyl to me is that it's limited in your accessibility to it. You can't move. Yeah, you can't put it. You, you can't, can't move. It you, there, there, it's not in your car. It's not outside. Right, it's not walking there. You can't right. You can't jog. You can't do anything. But vinyl, a, you're right. There. It helps, though, because it makes you focus in yeah. on the music. Yeah, as an experience, though. Let's just, let's say, let's, to, like John said, flip it a little bit. As a total experience, immerse, immersion immersing yourself in somebody's album mm. to me yeah vinyl wins because it forces you to sit in one place and listen to this album. i could i could counter that with saying on an airplane you've taken long flights mm-hmm. where you can't move you're stuck in one place at least yeah. if you listen to somebody you have distraction on a plane you're stuck you cannot take vinyl on a plane with you. <laughs> but if you take plane. a walkman you're stuck <laughs> in one seat you flying to london to go see jahan you there that's it you're locked in you can't do that with vinyl cassette you can do that
Full lid. This has been episode 34 of the Music Snobs podcast. As always, we thank you for joining us. Find us online at themusicsnobs.com. Full library streams at soundcloud.com slash themusicsnobs. If they keep tripping, we're going to pull that full library. Our Twitter handle, at Total Music Snobs. And the In The Mix series on Mixcloud, mixcloud.com slash themusicsnobs. Yeah, I'm going to stop it there. <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha